If you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, we're continuing looking at sections in Mark. Thank you. Uh, questions and answers has is, is been the, the theme uh, in the book of Mark. And this is another, another one of those passages where Jesus has questioned about his teachings, his beliefs, his understandings of the scriptures, etc. Beginning in verse 28, so I want to read the scriptures and then we'll, we'll go from there. <clears throat> then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all, the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbour as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that no one dared question him. There was a little barefoot boy was being teased because he didn't have shoes by the other kids in the neighbourhood. And they said to him, you are a little Christian. Why doesn't God tell his friends to send you some shoes? And the boy's Solomon-like answer was, I think God does tell them, but they don't listen. And I'm sure that Jesus must have felt that same way about all these religious leaders that would come to him trying to trap him, but they would come to him with questions trying to get him to falter, but trying to find out why he was teaching what he was teaching. And on this occasion, you've got the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees arguing among themselves with Jesus, having quite a robust discussion, if you like. And Matthew's account says that Jesus had pointed out and refuted the Sadducees' under, or misunderstanding of the resurrection. They didn't believe in a resurrection. And when the Pharisees saw that Jesus sorted them out, They thought, here's our opportunity, we'll come to Jesus now. And so one of the Pharisees comes to him with this question. What's the most important commandment of all? How would you answer that question? If somebody came to you and said, you know, the Bible's full of commandments, what's the most important one? I'm sure that we would have a variety of answers as to what you or I think is the most important. 
But we have to question the motive behind the Pharisee coming to Jesus. Was he genuine? Did he really want to know? Was it a, according to Matthew, it was like they were trying to test him. But was this individual genuinely trying to find out what's the most important thing of all that we should understand and know and how should we obey God? I mean, going back in chapter 11, I mean, they were discussing religious authority. They were questioning Jesus about his authority. Who gives you the authority to do the things you're doing, to teach the things that you're teaching? Beginning of chapter 12, the, the discussion on the resurrection, and now they, they come to him with another what should be a genuine question. These things should be genuine to us and of concern, a religious authority, the validity of the resurrection, and now the commandments that are in, contained in the Bible. Is there one more important than the other? And what Jesus does is what hopefully we would do. We would say, well, let's go and find out from the scriptures. And what Jesus does in response starts out by saying, there is one God. If we are going to please God, we have to understand who God is. We have to know God, not just know about God. And I think these religious people knew some things about God and they knew some things about the scriptures, but they didn't link the two together, seeing that it was all important. They saw that keeping commandments was the end in itself, not why they kept the commandments. And I think Jesus goes right to it. He says, the Lord our God is one. There is only one God. Then he goes on to say, the first commandment is to love God with your all. And then the second, to love your neighbour as yourself. And he's referring to Old Testament scriptures that the Jews knew. They quoted these scriptures in their daily meditations and in their religious activities, they quoted from these two passages of scripture. They knew that the scriptures taught that we worship God and we look after our neighbour, but they had different views on what that really meant. (coughs) So Jesus said, love is the key. Loving God and loving those who are made in the image of God according to Genesis chapter 1. These are the focal points that we need to to aim at. Jesus didn't say you need to go and find a God. He said there is one God. In our society today, if I were to go out there and tell everybody there is only one God, I'd probably be shot because people have this view that God is whatever you make God out of. God is whoever God you see to be God. And commandments are whatever you believe are the things that you ought to do. But Jesus said there is only one God. And if we don't have a love for that one God, we can't get the rest of the picture right. Love God and love your neighbour. 
The problem is that we can make gods out of things. We can make the focus of our life on our goals, our dreams, our imaginations. We need to know the God of the Bible. We, we can't make God in our image. And unfortunately, that's what people are doing today. They're making God out of their image or out of images that they have in their head. Let me go back there for a minute. Okay. The Bible is not man's speculation about God. The Bible is God's revelation of himself. And if we have commandments in the Bible, they are commandments that come from a God of love. And if God says, I want you to love me, it's because he loves you. If God says, I want you to do this or that, it's because God says, this is what's best for you in your life. But it's best because it's what develops our relationship with God. So love God, the most important, Mark 12 and verse 30. Love requires relationship. You can't love without knowing. I met a young lass hmm, 50 something years ago now. But when I first met her, I didn't have a relationship with her. I thought she was kind of cute, but I didn't have a relationship. I didn't know her. I didn't know about her. My relationship developed as I got to know who she was, what her life was about, what her priorities were, what her goals were in life. And I began to see that we had similar interests and relationship developed. Love grew and marriage eventuated. And so 50 odd years on, we are in a close, loving relationship. We know each other, we care about each other, and we respond to each other. And I said that to say this, I can't claim to know God if I'm only keeping a casual relationship with him. Jesus said, love God. That is the beginning point. Love must be lived, not spoken. We lived, when I met Ellie, we lived from Newcastle to Sydney apart. And we could communicate a bit, but we never had mobile phones and all of those sort of things. And so the best way that I could communicate was as soon as I would be finished work on, on Thursday after, no, Wednesday afternoon, I would zoom down to Sydney because I was doing a two-day course in the Bible school down there at the same time. But, boy, that was secondary. My first interest was I wanted to get to know Ellie more and more. And I went down there and I did the Bible course, but I was there to communicate, to get to know and develop my love and relationship with Ellie. You can't claim to love God 
if you're not in a developing relationship with him. Love by word isn't enough. Love by deed is the real thing. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 laid it out when he said, you know, I can, I can do all things, I can give to the poor and I can have all the blessings and I can have all material things, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. God wants to give me everything, but if I don't want to reciprocate and demonstrate to God that I love him, it's a false claim to say that I love him. You can't love God with your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength on a casual basis. It's got to be full time. Jesus told us that in the book of Revelation in chapter 3 verses 14 through 16 as he was talking to the church of Laodicea. He said, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I wish you were either hot nor cold or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. 100% or nothing. That's the way loving God is supposed to be. Do I look at everything, and you ask yourself the same question, do I look at everything I do in life with the view I'm doing this out of love for God and because of my relationship with him? Or do I do it because of my love for me and what I get out of it? That's a pretty serious question that we need to ask ourselves. So Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. These challenges that came to Jesus, they had a knowledge of the scriptures. They were the religious leaders. The Pharisees were the people, the the leaders that prided themselves in being the keepers of the law. They read the law, they interpreted the law, they added to the law, they expanded laws, explained laws. They had calculated there's about 630 or so commandments in the Old Testament. Some of those were positive and some were negative, some were more important, some were less important, according to them. And so they come to Jesus and say, but which one of all of these is the most important? And Jesus said, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. More than knowledge. They knew it, but they didn't understand it. They knew it, but they didn't apply it. They knew it, but they didn't live it in their lives. These people were more important to try and prove that they were right and Jesus was wrong. Or other people that didn't agree with them were wrong, but they were always right. And Jesus said, but that's not what it's about. Loving God means understanding God. Loving God with your all means doing everything you can to know, understand 
and obey God. Their focus was self rather than God. Where is our thought process today? I get up in the morning and I have to make decisions. I won't be dishonest because I might get caught out. That's one thought pattern. Or I won't be dishonest because it goes against what God wants. And you know there's a huge difference in that. One's about me and the other's about my relationship with God. I won't be dishonest because it goes against God's nature and principles. I won't engage in questionable practices because someone might find out. Or I won't engage in questionable practices because it doesn't show love for God. Everything I do should be focused on what is best for me in my relationship with God. Not what is best for me, just for me. And unfortunately, we live in a world, we live in a society today that everything, we, every time the ads come on and, and Ellie will say the same thing, it'll be, you deserve, you should have, it's your right, go for it. If you haven't got the money, put it on lay-by, put it on uh, afterpay, put it on this, put it on that, but it's your right to have it, so just go ahead and, and get it anyway. Because it's your right. I won't engage in questionable practices because the practices don't show love for God. I don't want to meet with the church people because I've other things that I want to do. And sometimes legitimately there are other things that we need to do. But our first priority is as we have the opportunity we worship and serve God. That's the beginning of the list. When you get up on Sunday, what's your priority thinking? What can I do today? Or, first of all, I need to be with God's people so that I can encourage God's people in their Christian living and in their serving. I want, I should, I can, I will. These are the dominant thinking patterns of society. And you know, if we turn that around and say, I want to serve God, I should serve God, I can serve God and I will serve God, what a difference. Out there it's, I want, I can, I should, I will and I'll do it regardless of what other people think. But God said, Jesus said, if we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, there won't be any question about our commitment to worship and serve God. Then Jesus went on to say, 
We should love our neighbour as ourself. And if you look at the Ten Commandment law alone, the first four are about our relationship with God and the other six are about our relationship with our fellow man. God didn't make us for fun. He made us for relationship. And he wants us to be in an intimate relationship with him But in order to show that we're in that relationship, he wants us to live it out in our relationship to other people. Love your neighbour as yourself. You know, the the religious leaders had this idea that you love your neighbours and hate your enemies. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, no, that's not the way it is. You love your enemies even. And in Luke's account, or a similar account to this, when a religious leader came to Jesus and said, what should I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, how do you read it in the scriptures? Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. And so whether he was honest or whether he was being a smart aleck, he said, well, who is my neighbour? And Jesus taught the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then turned it back on the individual and said, who is your neighbour? Who who was neighbour in that situation? The person who had a need. You see, there was the religious person that walked by on the other side. There was the second religious person walked by on the other side. But the Samaritan, whom the Jews didn't have a good relationship with, saw a person in need and said, I can help. Love your neighbour as yourself. Not hate your enemy, but love whoever has a need that you can fulfil. Genuine love for God will automatically lead to a love and a concern for all who are made in the image of God. And so God wants our love for him to manifest manifest itself in the way that we look out for others in the way that we look to others. But, you know, Jesus went a little bit further, not in, on, in that passage, in, in the referring to this individual, and we'll get back to him in a moment, but Jesus in his teaching of the disciples said, I want you to love, and he puts another dimension. And what was that other dimension that Jesus said? I want you to love as I have loved you. Sacrificial love, other-focused love, Christ-motivated love, love that is a I want to, not I have to. I want to love, I want to serve, I want to be the best person that God can use in his kingdom. Love is and always was at the heart of the commandments of God. But when Jesus concluded this, he said to the end of this individual, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So this religious individual came with a, hopefully what was a genuine question, and hopefully when Jesus answered his question, he recognised that, Just law-keeping, just commandment-keeping, just following traditions is not what our commitment to God is all about. And I think we can look at this passage and see one or two or three things 
that we need to stop and think about. Knowledge of God's law doesn't make us right with God. These individuals knew the law as far as they were concerned. They knew it backwards. They knew every bylaw, every additional tradition and everything that there was to know about the law. They knew it. And when Jesus came along and would show them otherwise, instead of saying, this guy's got it made. He, he, he knows what he's talking about. They looked at another way that they could trap him. Even when he performed miracles, they didn't say, wow, what power he's got. They would say, well, he's doing it by the power of Beelzebub or the devil or, or whatever. They could never credit Jesus for the good that he was doing as being from God. So just knowing the word of God doesn't make us right with God. Agreeing with God's law doesn't put us into the kingdom. This individual agreed with Jesus. He said, you've said well. When you say these are the things that we need to do, these are the most important things, loving God with our all and loving our neighbour as ourselves, he said, you've taught well. So he agreed with Jesus. But it doesn't say, and then he asked Jesus, what's the next step that I need to take? And the next step was to accept that Jesus was the sacrifice from God that would give us salvation. He didn't take that step. At least we're not told if he did or not. And so agreeing with God's law doesn't put us in the kingdom. There are a lot of people that, that, that will hear passages of scripture and say, oh, that, that's great teaching. How many people have you heard that, says, that, that will say, Jesus was a great teacher? And then they don't obey what he taught. We not only need to agree, we not only need to understand, but we need to obey. Obeying the commandments of God from the heart of love puts me and keeps me in the kingdom of God. It's not something I do once and then I can just casually go on with life and and occasionally if I want to have a talk with God, that's okay, but I don't want to get too serious about it. No, Jesus said, all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. John, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, said, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. The commands of God to love come from a God of love who commands what is best for us. You can love people without loving God. But you can't love God without loving people. We love because he first loved us. We didn't invent love. We didn't come up with the concept, God is love. And God loved us 
so much that he gave his son so that we could appreciate, enjoy and benefit from the love of God. Love never asks, how much must I do, but how much can I do? Love never fails.